Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 7 through 18 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, that's okay. Open up to page 1329. 1329 in the Pew Bible there in front of you. And as you're opening up there, I want to uh, mention to you really quickly how grateful I am. We were able to meet our Myers Mallory missions offering. So God's been so faithful and so kind to us. And so uh, we thank him for that, for his for his kindness and his grace and his mercy to us to allow us to give to that. And so we thank the Lord for that, that, giving to that great offering. If you have your Bibles open there to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, why don't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning verse 7. seven. But we have this treasure and jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe... And so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal let's pray together O lord our god we ask you even now father would you open our hearts and minds today God, to receive your word, and Lord, I pray we would be changed by it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When Whitney and I got married, um, we registered for gifts, as many of you probably did. We uh, registered for different gifts, and one of the things that we registered for was plates. Now, some of y'all are twitching because I called them plates because there's a better word, right? What do we register for? China. Register for China. 
Now, what we registered for, we registered for two different kinds of China. Regular China, everyday China, from what I understand. And, and then also Christmas China. But we did not register for fine China because we have heirloom fine China. She's getting gifts from her grandmother. However, we've got everyday China, Christmas China, fine China, and we use none of that China. You know, <laughs> do you know what we use? Plates from Walmart. Close, not paper plates. No, we went, we registered for all these different plates, and so we went to Walmart and bought different plates just a few years ago. Every day, just plates to use, just white glass plates, uh, white porcelain, whatever, china plates. Whatever kind of, John, what kind of plates you get at Walmart? I don't know. What do I call them? What's the, okay. I feel it coming. I feel, I feel it coming from right here. <laughs> No, every day we use regular old plates from Walmart. We've got all these different kinds of various levels of China. And as we should, I'm not, I'm not trying to burn the system to the ground, ladies. I know how it works. I understand. I'm glad we have all this China. I'm so glad we do because at different times we need it. We really do. Um, but every day, because I'm sort of clumsy and a little nervous, we don't want to break one of these nice pieces of China, I get a plate from Walmart to eat my dinner on, and I'm okay with that. I'm not nervous when I eat my dinner. I'm not worried when I'm, I'm carrying the plate around, taking it back to the sink or whatever else. I, I'm happy to have this basic, simple plate. And God has helped me understand from the Scriptures, as His servant and as a pastor, as someone who's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ every week, I am not fine china. And I'm not everyday China, and I'm not Christmas China. Maybe, maybe I'm just a plate from Walmart, and, and I'm okay with that. And, and that's exactly the point that Paul is making, is that we have these basic, basic vessels, these jars of clay, these clay pots. That These are the sort of vessels that you wouldn't bring out for for special use, these are the kind of vessels, if they break, you don't cry. You, you don't go on the website to try to find replacement pieces for this china. No, this is just everyday stuff. If it breaks, you just move on. And that, that's what Paul compares himself and those others who are in ministry here. He calls himself themselves earthen vessels, clay pots, jars of clay. Eugene Peterson's son one time came home from college and told his dad he only ever preached one sermon. And uh, if you're a, a preacher of any sort, that's a, that, that at, at first glance is an uh, uh, embarrassing and, and not a compliment. First time you hear something like that. But someone wanted to tell him, no, what I've, what I've learned is all these great authors, all these great folks really only wrote one book, one work. They had one message they're trying to get out. And he said, that's what I like about your preaching, Dad, is that you preach one sermon. And he said he was trying to find a church in college. He said, every preacher I hear hasn't found their sermon yet. And so he meant it as a compliment. What is the truth? What is the sermon that drives your life, that, that, that sort of presses on you every week when you come to the text? How do you see life based on the Scriptures? And if I had one sermon, this one's it. 
If I had one text to use to define the Christian life, I would use this one. This morning, I want to present to you this doctrine of the Christian life that I've called here clay pot Christianity. Clay pot Christianity. I think the attitude that Paul presents here is absolutely foundational and irreplaceable to Christian living. If we are to live out the sanctification that God wants us to live out in Christ, the attitude that's represented here in this text is essential. Let me say it like this. If you can grasp what what we're calling clay pot Christianity, then I believe it can and will transform your walk with Christ. And so this morning, I, I want to show you three characteristics of a clay pot Christian. Just three things that are true of clay pot Christians and therefore true of clay pot Christianity. Th- three things that can help you transform your vision of Christianity and, and your everyday walk with Jesus. And I think you'll see as we look at this why, why we dig deep into the Scriptures every week. Because there's nothing more practical than the truth of God's Word. And so as we dig into this text, I hope you'll see the way that your walk can be transformed by this idea. that This basic thought that God's power is made perfect in weakness. God God will show that and demonstrate that throughout this, this book, but here we have it in one of its most pronounced and beautiful ideas that we are clay pots, jars of clay. Here's the first point this morning. Clay pot Christians rely on God's power. Clay pot Christians, not crack pot Christians, clay pot Christians rely on God's power. Some of y'all were like, I was wondering when he was just going to come out with it. Crack pot, you know. No, clay pot Christians rely on God's power. Verses 7 through 12. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What a juxtaposition that is. This treasure, this, this worthy thing in this very common vessel. There were, it was common to have different kinds of vessels. In fact, some of you, if the right person comes over, you get out your nicest vessels to serve them with. I was over at one of your houses one time, and I, 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 I drank sweet tea for the first time in my life out of a silver goblet, and it was wonderful. It made me feel so honored and so special. Right? First time in my life, I felt like I was, you know, so I, hey, I'm worthy of silver here today. <laughs> made me feel special. And so we have vessels, some of us, that are of worth, that are of value, that, that aren't cheap. And that if we were to choose a vessel to hold our treasure, we wouldn't choose the most common thing in the house. And yet, that's what Paul says. We have this glory, we have this treasure that he's been talking about, uh, the glory of the gospel of Christ. And he says we have it in jars of clay. Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Why are Christians weak? Why do Christians still, still suffer? You ever thought about that? We talk about this glory of Christ and the glory of the gospel. 
And, and sometimes I think we expect the day after we get saved for us just to, to, to be living a totally different sort of life. Now, I agree, our, we all recognize that we must be transformed by the gospel at some level or another, but we don't immediately, the next day, start getting checks from heaven, right? Our, our health doesn't always immediately clear up when we become Christians. In fact, some people in, endure worse trials once they become Christians. Why? Why does God allow His children to, to suffer? Why does He allow us to be weak? Paul says we have this treasure in jars of clay, jars that are bound to break, jars that don't seem that valuable. Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You are weak to display the power of God, to, to show to others that it's not about you. There is no such thing as a Christian with their nose up. Now, some of us try, but we're being disobedient to Jesus when we do that. There's no such thing as a, as a Christian who's proud of their track record. There, there's no such thing as a Christian who is confident in their flesh. Eventually, Jesus cures us of that. And Paul says that's what we must realize is that we carry treasure, this glory in jars of clay to show the surpassing power of God and that it belongs to him and not to us. It is not our flesh. It is not us that is great. God sustains us. It's God's power. We're afflicted, Paul says but not crushed. Does anybody know that feeling? <laughs> Does anybody know that feeling to be struggling, but you're not crushed? To, to, to be afflicted, but not afflicted beyond what you can bear? And sometimes it's day-to-day -day on that, right? So, so sometimes it's a day-to-day -day decision. Paul says we're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Now, Paul earlier in this letter says he despaired even of life. And so it's not that he has never despaired. It's just that he's not in a constant situation where he is constantly despairing. He may be perplexed. Have any of you ever been in that situation? You're confused. You're struggling. You just can't figure it out. But somehow God sustains you in the meantime. You're weak, but you're not broken. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Thought about that? Have you thought about, though you may be persecuted at some time in your life, God has not abandoned you? And have you thought about the fact that we have brothers and sisters all over the world who are pressed like this even now, and yet God sustains them, demonstrating His power and holding them together, struck down, but not destroyed? You see, Christianity so often means being on the cusp of all these things feeling like you're on the verge of breaking down all the time, and yet, what keeps you from breaking down? What, what keeps you from despairing? What, what keeps you from being destroyed? What, what keeps you from feeling totally abandoned? What sustains you from being crushed under the weight of life? the weight of the things going on around you, is it not the power of God and the grace of God? You see, so often we present the gospel in the 
in the opposite of this way. There, there, I, I mention it a lot. I know I do, but I really do think it's something every Christian struggles with right now. And, and it's the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And, and, and that's sort of gotten in the water of Christianity these days. And I do think that there's a sense in which in the back of our minds, the back of our hearts sometimes we wonder when we suffer. We, we wonder when we struggle. We wonder when we feel perplexed, when we feel persecuted, when we feel afflicted, when we feel struck down. I think sometimes we wonder if we're really a faithful Christian or not. But because of this message that says, if, if you follow Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and, and prosperous. And brothers and sisters, that is a lie from the pits of hell. In fact, what, what Paul says is that he is always carrying in his body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul says, his ministry is characterized by suffering, but his ministry is also characterized by resurrection, so that even though it looks like death is at work in them, it's providing the work of life in others, because they're pouring their lives out for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, our lives reflect Christ's death precisely because they will also reflect Christ's resurrection. And so don't think for a moment that the final story is us suffering when the final story is that we are weak simply because God is demonstrating to us and to the world around us the saving and sustaining power of Himself. God is pushes us in our weakness to rely completely and totally on His power, on His ability to save. Clay pot Christians, Christians that are weak and needy, rely always and only on the power of God demonstrated in our lives. But also, second of all, Clay pot Christians press on for the sake of others. Clay pot Christians press on for the sake of others. Beginning verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. He's quoting a psalm. And, and what he's saying there is, I, I think he's saying, I, I share the same spirit of David who, even though he was being persecuted, believed and thus spoke. And Paul's saying the same thing. I might be weak, I might be suffering, and yet I still trust Jesus. And so I say to you, I believe and I speak. So we also believe, so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. In other words, Jesus raised us from the dead and he's going to bring us all together into his presence. And then what does he say in verse 15? For it is all. For your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. In all of his trials, and we're going to look at Paul's trials and as we progress through 2 Corinthians, we'll see him in a little more detail, some of the things that Paul actually went through, and I think we'll be amazed by what he went through. 
But even just hearing this list of things he mentions here, you, you might ask yourself, why didn't Paul just give up? Why, why not just quit? You might read some things about Paul and think, you know what I would have done? I would have just gone and made tents, lived out my days, been done with it. Why didn't Paul give up? Why don't we give up in suffering? Why do we press on in difficulties? I, I talk to pastors sometimes. And I hear about the situations they're facing in their churches. People being downright ungodly. Uh, cruel to them and their families. It, it, it blows my mind how people who claim Jesus can, can treat people the way some people are, are treated. And sometimes I talk to those guys and I think, my goodness, why don't they just quit? I, I, I would. I'd want to shake my, the dust off my sandals at that point. And yet they don't, and I don't encourage them to, and I, I wouldn't either. Why? Because we know that when we are raised from the dead one day, others will be raised with us. Why do we press on? We press on for the sake of others. Clay pot Christians press on for the sake of others. It is all for your sake, Paul says. And so grace extends to more and more people and thanksgiving goes up to God and not only is God being glorified by sustaining us with His power, but God is being glorified by drawing more people to Himself. As grace reaches more people, more thanksgiving goes up to God. Praises are rendered unto God and God is glorified in the world. Brothers and sisters, there's, there's only one thing I know to say about this passage, to apply it to First Baptist Church, to apply it to Matt Alexander, to apply it to those of you in the pew this morning, the one thing I know to say is we must be outward focused. We must be others focused. Now here's the deal. Many of us, not all of us, but many of us in the Lord's church today have been saved a while. And even if you've not been saved a while, most of us in our culture and society grew up at some level or another in church. And we're used to growing up in a world where everybody's basically the same way. Everybody's pretty much had a chance at the gospel. That has changed. And that is changing. All of your neighbors have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. All, all, all the people growing up right now have not grown up in a world where everybody's heard the gospel. And brothers and sisters, Christians, ourselves included, must be others-focused. We cannot merely focus on our own desires and preferences. There's nothing on this planet that gets on my nerves worse than Christians arguing over how we sing praises to Jesus. Now, thankfully, we don't do that. Y'all don't fight over that. Uh, and if you do, don't do it in front of me. Please. Please don't, because Jesus is worthy of praise and thanksgiving from his people. And if somebody wants to do it with a guitar, praise be to God in heaven that somebody's praising him with a guitar. And if somebody wants to do it with a smoke machine and a laser light show, praise be to God that people who are into that are praising Jesus. And, and if some folks want to do it in another way, like we do it in a traditional way, praise be to God because we want to praise Jesus in all sorts of different cultural forms and all sorts of different cultural ways. But Christians are so focused on getting things their way, on doing things their way. And it's not just 
guitar church people and it's not just organ church people and it's not just the people in the middle it's just christians sometimes i think get so blessed by jesus they become spoiled by the gospel we hear sermons from the bible every week and we sing praises to jesus every week and and we're just covered up with it we've got so many opportunities i i sometimes sit around and think about how amazing it is how many pulpits there are in etowah county so there are so many places right now you could go right now and hear the gospel preached the bible preached faithfully well so we get used to that we miss the fact that there are people right now who have never heard the gospel And there are people right now who are lost and don't know Jesus. And brothers and sisters, we must get after it for their sake. We need a holy dissatisfaction. Myself included, your pastor included. A holy dissatisfaction with how many people we're reaching for Jesus. And a holy passion to reach as many people for Christ as possible. That's one example. Christians are so focused on their own comfort. Their own comfort. Fighting over the blessings of God. When, when we must be united and focused on telling others about Christ. We rely on God's power. We exist for the sake of others. And finally, clay pot Christians focus on an eternal horizon. Clay pot Christians focus on an eternal horizon. Every day, this is going to be morbid, okay? Y'all bear with me. Every day we look in the mirror. Every day I look in the mirror and I think, yep, it's another gray hair. Those gray hairs are gifts from God. You know why? Because it's a reminder that I'm not going to be here forever. My life's ending. Every day I live is a day I'm closer to heaven, closer to the end of my days, one day nearer the grave. I have more reminders than some people simply because I'm a pastor. So I spend a lot of time in hospitals and a lot of time at funerals and a lot of time with grieving families. And it's a reminder that every day is one day nearer the grave. My body is wasting away. Every day, I see the impact of time. What does Paul say? So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. In other words, even though I look and my body is getting older and therefore closer to death, I also at the same time recognize that on the inside, God is at work transforming my heart and soul into the image of Christ. And that even as my glory as a man is fading, right? As the prime days of my life are fading. As I lose muscle mass and all those different kinds of things as I get older as my vitality begins to shrink. Nonetheless, in that process, God is at work, right? Brewing a glory that will last forever, transforming us into the image of Christ. We must have an eternal horizon where we're not merely focused on what's happening externally, but on what God is doing eternally on the inside of us. In fact, what does Paul say? He says, this light 
momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. In other words, Paul talks about all of his suffering. If you know anything about Paul's life, it was a lot of stuff. It it, it was just tons of suffering. And Paul calls it all light, momentary affliction. If you didn't know what he went through, it would feel trite, wouldn't it? In, in other words, if, I, if you're suffering in the hospital and I come to you and say, you know, this is just light momentary affliction, you're going to ask me kindly to leave. Because it's just kind of a trite way to talk about the way you're suffering. But Paul's talking about his own suffering, and he can call it that. And I hope this will inspire us to weigh what it is that's going on in the circumstances of our life with the eternal weight of glory that is brewing beneath the surface We look to the things, not that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In other words, right now I ask you, how will you live your life? What will your horizon be? Where will you focus? Will you allow suffering and difficulties and trials to constantly drag your nose down into the dirt of things that don't last? Or will you allow your suffering and your difficulties and your trials and the weight of the world to push your nose upward to the horizon of glory that is awaiting every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you focus on this eternal weight that God is building even through your suffering? Will you focus on all that you can see and just the things you can grasp with your hands? Or will you focus by faith on what you cannot see, that which will last forever? Will we live by faith or will we live by sight? Will we recognize that these things around us are fading away? That the vessels aren't worth much? that the jars of clay eventually crumble. But we serve a God. We serve a God who knows how to fill clay pots with treasure. We serve a God who's building an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And we serve a God who knows how to take broken, fractured, spent, poured out, clay pots and he knows how to make them whole again and put them together forever we serve a God who saves sinners we serve a God who has conquered the grave we recognize we know these clay pots are filled with the treasure of the gospel and so I ask you this morning will you live out A sort of clay pot Christianity that doesn't get drawn down into the things that don't last, but keeps a focus, an eternal focus on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for you and my prayer for us this morning. I want to offer an invitation. If you've never put your trust and your faith in Jesus, I want to ask you and invite you this morning uh, to put your trust and faith in Him for the first time. Uh, this, this morning, I, if you've never put your trust in Jesus, let me encourage you to turn to God. To turn from your sins and repentance and turn to God in faith through Jesus Christ. Second of all, 
You may be a Christian, you may say, Pastor, I just need some time to pray. This altar is open to you. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you this morning about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you for the fact that you're willing to take simple clay pots, basic, everyday people, and fill them with a weight of glory beyond all comparison. And God, I pray that our lives would focus on the direction you're taking us, even now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.